All right, let's go to the Word of God this morning and let's turn to, this is the last of our Sermon on the Mount. We're going to start a new series after this and um, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, we have to end on this note as we read from verses, uh, chapter 7, verses 7 to, uh, to 11, or should we say 12. We're just going to read that together and then uh, this morning as we ponder on this, we will realize once again that our God is beyond any known measure. We look to him, he is beyond any known measure. And let's just read this together and then after that we will listen to the word of God. This is 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for, he, for bread, will give him a stone? Will you do that? Or if he asks for, for a fish, will you give him a snake? My goodness, even a snake, eh? If you then, though, you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So far may God bless the reading of his precious word. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we want to thank you for your faithfulness. We want to thank you for your goodness. We want to thank you for always being involved in our lives. And we pray this morning that as your word will come to us, that you will challenge us and at the same time encourage us, Lord, to honor you and to put you first in everything. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for your greatness. Thank you for your awesomeness. Thank you for your might and your power. Thank you, Lord, that there's never a day that you are not aware of every detail of our lives. And Lord... There's not a day that you are not busy putting things in place, making a way for us. Often we don't even see it, and we're not even aware of it. But we thank you, Lord. And we pray this morning that you will bless us and bless this word, Lord, and use this word, Lord, to take us, Lord, to where we need to be in you, in our walk. Father, we pray that you will go further with us now, And we pray that your name will be exalted in our midst. Bless your word, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Earlier in the sermon, if you read chapter 7 there, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus warned his disciples against judgmentalism. You can see there the first seven verses there. Jesus urges us to to be discerning while remaining non-judgmental. Be discerning while remaining non-judgmental. Now, what is discernment? If people ask you, what is discernment? Discernment, that that word judgment refers to discernment. Discernment is knowing the difference. And I'm, I'm just thinking of Robin Williams here this morning. Discernment is knowing the difference between right and almost right. You remember, Robin? <laughs> discernment is knowing the difference between right and almost right. Primarily, it is about the way that you interact with 
people around you, the way that you treat the people around you, and the presence that you carry into your family, into your neighborhood, and into your workplace. It is about being a kingdom presence in the world. Now this morning, we're going beyond that, and Jesus takes us a little bit beyond that as well. Beyond measure indicates something that is immeasurable, too large, extensive, or extreme to calculate. Now think about counting grains of sand or stars in the night sky as God asked Abraham to do. There were too many to count. That is how God wants to bless us. How do you like that? It's how God wants to come through for us. He is available to us during all the different stages of our spiritual development. Now, you know, you don't think about this year as spiritual development, but during all the different stages of our spiritual development, and I need to mention the different stages briefly before we get into the Word. The different stages, we know the first stage is the baby stage. Isn't that true? Spiritual infants, they need an abundance of attention, patience, nurture and care. Spiritual babies, they seek attention, they want attention. And if they don't get it, if, or if they don't get what they want, what happens? They begin to sulk. Isn't that true? Are you one of those this morning? I want to say this. It is sad, but there are many people who are even 70 today, but they are still spiritual babes in Christ. I pray that we are not still there as spiritual infants. But then the next stage is not only the infant, but we, from there, as we begin to grow, we enter the stage of childhood, being a child. And it, it speaks about discovery. During this period of time, great leaps in maturity begin, begin to become, in, become visible. That's what I put there. I almost said invisible. Visible. Believers in this stage are very curious and inquisitive. That's a child. Can you remember children? They're very curious and inquisitive. They are also very vulnerable and gullible during this stage. Often very naive. What do they need? They need accountability during this stage of growth. If you've reached that stage, you need accountability. You, need, you cannot just do whatever you want to do and feel what you feel like doing. They need mentors. They need role models, spiritual role models. And I pray that if you know of someone who is a spiritual child this morning, who have only grown to that level, that this morning you would be their mentor and you will be their role model. But then the next stage is that of adolescence. There, and that is the one of irresponsibility and rebellion. Adolescence, eh? that period in our Christian life, eh? in our walk with the Lord. It's a, it's a period of you know, uh, uh, irresponsibility and rebellion. This stage of development is usually marked by conflicting attitudes and emotions. You're going from one extreme to another extreme in a matter of seconds. Seconds. One extreme to, the, to another extreme. Adolescent, eh? Um, um, <laughs> you want me to mention more? 
You're not only one nation, you begin to push boundaries. You push boundaries. You, you know you shouldn't, but you begin to push boundaries. And, uh, and you know, the adolescent believer becomes primarily focused on themselves and their own perceived needs. That's the stage you are in. Hey, Aaron, are you there this morning? Spiritually? Are you there? Were you? My perceived needs, what I need is more important than anything else. And you become rebellious and you do, and you make excuses and you say, I'm not going to do, you know, some people even say, I'm not going to worship at that church. I'm just using it because this and that and that is wrong. My goodness, man, be the solution. Don't tell me this and that is wrong. Well, I don't, I don't like that when somebody comes to me and says this and that and that is wrong. You know, fix it. You see it. Isn't it true? Then you fix it. Don't talk about this and that is wrong. Well, I'm just using that as an example here this morning. But then, of course, we've got to reach in the one stage that very few reach is the stage of being a spiritual adult. Adulthood and maturity. This is the stage of productivity. You produce fruit. It's a stage of stability. You need to get there. Are you there, brothers and sisters? In your walk with the Lord. You've got to get there. We need to honestly assess which stage of development we are in this morning. But I want to challenge us. Let us grow. The best time to do so is now. Let's grow now. Not tomorrow or next year. Now. Jesus confirms, though, his availability here this morning when we speak about him being beyond any known measure. He confirms his availability by a threefold variety of commands and instructions. And this is what we're getting into in terms of the word. Are you still with me? In other words, he, say, he says he stands ready to respond positively to where you are on your spiritual journey. Do you hear that? Where you are in your spiritual journey. And he is always reachable. And so when you come before him this morning, that's what we're only going to focus on those three words. And it's familiar words, but we're going to do that here this morning. He is beyond known, any known measure. That is why ask with expectancy. Did you hear that? Verse 7. It's only in verse 7. That's the only verse we're focusing on here. Ask with expectancy. First of all, Jesus commands us to ask. To ask means to pray with expectancy. You just heard that. Asking is praying and coming to God knowing that He is your heavenly Father. Knowing that He loves you. Knowing that He hears you. Knowing that He cares about you. And simply coming to Him. You present your request to Him. Whatever it is. Stop being so concerned about whether you can or cannot ask for something. He is your Father who wants to give you good things. We read that in the, in the, the section that we, just, that, uh, that we are dealing with now. He is your Father who wants to give you good gifts. And you know what? And the Holy Spirit 
edits your prayer for, in, a, in any way. When I talk about that, listen to this. When I pray and I ask the Lord for something, how does the Holy Spirit edit the prayer? The Holy Spirit will say, hey, Alan, not that. Isn't it true? This. Sometimes I come and I have this and that, and then suddenly while I'm praying, the Holy Spirit begins to teach me how to pray. How to pray accurate and correct prayers. I come here sometimes with my own emotions and say, Lord, I don't understand why you're not listening to me. Isn't it true? Lord, I don't understand why I've been asking you about this thing over and over. You know, the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit begins to edit that and, and also correct what needs to be corrected in my life. We talk about editing here. I, I, hope, I hope you people understand what I mean here. Seems to me you don't because you are quiet here. Hey? Hey. But uh, let's move on from there. You ask, when you ask, you ask specifically. Did you hear that? We need to stop praying vague prayers. Ask God specifically for what you want. Be clear about what you are asking for. Matthew 20, verse 32 to 33, Jesus asked two blind men, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, open our eyes, they replied. Jesus did not answer the, uh, their request until they told him specifically. That they wanted to receive sight. Isn't it true? What do you need to be specific about this morning as you come before Him? Be specific. The answer from God might be yes, it might be no, it might be not now, but it will never be. My child, I cannot. Have the Lord ever said that to you? I cannot. We can boldly ask big things from a big God. But ask big as well. The next thing. Not only specifically, but ask big. Elijah prayed for no rain for three years. Can you remember? So that Ahab and the Israelites would turn back to God in 1 Kings 17 verse 1. And the Lord answered that prayer. Joshua prayed for the sun to stand still so that the Israelites would win the battle on their way to the promised land. Joshua 10, 12 to 13, and the sun stood still. Do not be afraid to ask big. Did you hear that this morning? Is there anything too big for you to ask? Jeremiah 32, 17 says, nothing is too hard for the Lord. Isn't it true? Sometimes we miss God's best for our lives because we have not learned how to ask big. God does not need you to protect him or, or his reputation when you come before him. You, you, you can do what you want. You cannot protect his, him and his, uh, his reputation. He is awesome. There's no one like him. God is bigger than your prayers, bigger than your hope. He is bigger than your challenges and bigger than your fears. I'm just ap applying this, you know, I'm doing application here. He is bigger than your doubts and bigger than your questions. He's bigger. 
is bigger. Ask big. Did you hear that, brothers and sisters? Expectancy is a renewal of hope and anticipation. Lord, I'm anticipating and waiting for that answer. It is a spark. I can almost put it in this way. When you anticipate something, it's a spark in your soul that makes you dare to believe that good can come from bad, that light can overcome darkness, that he can resurrect a dead situation or a dying situation. It is the tenacious belief that in spite of all that has happened in your life and all that has not happened in your life, what he is going to do and what is, is going to happen in your life will redeem it all. We all have things that are, we are believing God for to come to pass. Problems to turn around. But often what we have in mind is not God's best. You see, we think ordinary. Isn't it true? God thinks extraordinary. We think, let me manage this addiction. <laughs> God thinks freedom. Isn't it true? We are asking for the possible when God wants to do the impossible. Trust him this morning. Ask big and be specific. There is simply nothing too big for you to bring to the Lord in prayer. Ask him and ask big this morning. But secondly, seek with intensity can do anything for you. He can accomplish anything in your life. Seek with intensity. If asking, and you must remember this, this verse here is, a, is a, you know, it's in the imperative mood. So, you know, some people who have done Greek would know what that means. It's an imperative. Where it, it, it's a command. But, but it's a continuous one. It's not, it's, it's not a passive thing and whatever, it's, it's, it's a continuous thing. It's a, so if you ask, you keep on asking big. You don't stop. If you seek, you keep on seeking. You don't stop. Seek and you will find. Both of those words are proactive words. I'm going to do something here. I cannot stand back and be, remain passive. I've got to be actively involved in seeking what's best for me and my family and, and even for others. Isaiah 55, 6, we know that verse, the well-known verse. I learned it in Sunday school. Eh? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Seek means to search for something. It means to hunt for something. It means to look for something and to pursue it until you find it. Jeremiah 29, 13. If you seek me and seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Seeking involves coming before the Lord with a simple question. Lord, what can I do to be part of your answer for my prayer? Not my answer for the prayer. Lord, your answer for my prayer. 
Did you ever think of it in that way? Oh, you have to seek it. I want to say this when I think of seeking here this morning. You do not stumble upon a great relationship with the Lord, an intimate relationship with the Lord. You are not born with it. You have to seek it. Seeking Him daily. Seeking Him fervently. We seek God about our, our problems and our issues. You know, and then Psalm 9 verse 10 speaks about, you know, those, those who trust in you. Know your name, something like that. And you have never forsaken those who seek you. Through the ups and through the downs. Through the plenty, through the want, through the good times, through the bad times, you just stay in His Word. You just stay in God and you go after Him, seeking Him. Isn't that true? That's what we're talking about, pursuing Him all the time. When you see God, there is something powerful that is released into your life. Into your life released into your life. Mensa, everybody's school. That's released into your life. Something powerful. If you seek him, he will give you strength. He will give you wisdom. He will give you peace. He will give you whatever you need and beyond. If you seek him, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against them. Isaiah 59, 19. No weapon forged against you will prosper. Isaiah 54, 17. Seeking the Lord means seeking his presence. Psalm 105, 4. Seeking his presence all the time, continually. It says there, what is our greatest pursuit this morning? What's your greatest pursuit here this morning? What should we run after in life more than anything else? It's to know him intimately. To know him intimately. Do you know him intimately this morning? To know him intimately, we must pursue him passionately, relentlessly, wholeheartedly unswervingly. Is that how you are seeking him here this morning? But then we go to get to the third one. Are we there already? My goodness, that was quickly, eh? Knock with tenacity. Still verse 7, eh? Keep on knocking. Keep on knocking. Keep on knocking. Knocking means praying with endurance. Isaiah 26 verse 4 says, Trust in the Lord forever. Not sometimes, forever you trust in Him. Knock means seeking Him or, or just knocking with endurance. I'm, I'm knocking. Lord, I'm still knocking. And I'm going to continue to knock. I'm not going to stop knocking, knocking on this door. I'm not stopping. No matter what happens, Lord, I'm knocking. And I'm knocking. You've got to open up, Lord. And how many times hasn't that happened with the Lord? When we knock and we keep on knocking, Lord opens up and he, 
he, and he begins to do something that we've never thought possible. Some of you are here today and you have been knocking for something for weeks, for months, or even years. Some of you have given up praying about someone or something. Just keep on knocking. Keep on knocking this morning. I encourage you this morning. Keep on knocking. Don't give up. Jacob was a tenacious. Can you remember Jacob? He was a tenacious and persistent person. He came out of the womb grabbing his, his brother. By the, can you remember? He, he came out of the womb grabbing. Genesis 25, 26. But then he was wrestling with a man all night. In Genesis 32, 26. And he would not let go until he got the blessing. Isn't it true? He, didn't, he would not let go until he got the blessing. That blessing changed his entire life. So much that he changed his name. Israel, Prince with God. We must keep on wrestling. We must keep on knocking. We must keep on trusting. Don't ever give up. Keep on knocking. Keep on trusting. Keep on praying. Keep on remaining focused on what the Lord would want you to have and experience in your life and in your family's life. Don't give up. That problem, that issue, don't give up. What can you do when you are down and out? Hey? You can come back from a knockout blow. If you've been knocked out this morning, let's say, as the Apostle Paul says, I'm, I'm, I'm down, I'm out. I'm, not out, but I'm down, but I'm not out. <laughs> I won't say out. Eh? <laughs> I'm getting up. I've been knocked out. One blow after another. I've been knocked down, rather. Not out, knocked down. One blow after another. But I'm getting up. I'm getting up. I'm not staying down. Are you, don't stay down, brothers. I'm ready to invade new territories in the Lord. I'm ready to invade be, uh, territories beyond what, what I ever thought possible. I'm ready. And I want to say this invading new territories in the Lord means breaking into new frontiers. Impacting your environment for Christ. Christ growing spiritually, advancing in Him. That's why Apostle Paul could say in Philippians 1.12, What has happened to me has served to advance the gospel. Whatever has been happening to you, it's in order for you to advance the gospel. The good news that Jesus is real. That Jesus can transform a life. That Jesus can make a difference. For too long you have, been, you have accepted, and that's where people are today. For too long you have accepted some things as normal and adjusted your way of life to accommodate something that was never meant to be. I'm just accommodating it because everybody's doing it. Everybody. Isn't it true? We do that. And we adjust our lives accordingly. How dare you do that, child of God? You cannot adjust your life according to the perceptions and ideas of others. You've got to do it according to the Word of God. 
according to what the Lord wants for you. It is time to challenge the status quo and invade new territories. Do not give up. I often say this, and that's why you've got it there. When, when we are trusting the Lord for something, and when you, when you look to the Lord and you are, you are desperate for something, opposition always precedes that breakthrough. Isn't it true? There's always, there's always opposition somewhere. Precedes the breakthroughs. Every significant move of God is preceded by a season. Oh my goodness, it's always a season. My goodness, we sometimes say, Lord, I don't need this season. But hey, he knows better. Isn't it true? A season of increasingly difficult, discouraging opposition. We can understand why though. Isn't it true? You see, because God through you is invading what Satan considers his territory. God's kingdom is breaking through the lines of the domain of darkness. Colossians 1 verse 13 speaks about we've been rescued from the domain of darkness. You know, God's kingdom is breaking through there. And there are places that have been invaded though by the enemy. In this day, we are living. And I need to mention this before we close. Good homes have been invaded by the enemy. Human hearts have been invaded by the enemy. <laughs> sound mindsets, sound heads, sound heads have been invaded. Supposed to be sound have been invaded. Let's use the word H for another H my mindsets have been invaded by the enemy. He's still doing that today. And you know what? The sad thing in, is that Hezekiah allowed the enemy when he on his sick bed. He allowed the, the enemy of God to take over his home, his heritage, and his heart. He allowed for a home invasion the enemy. Have you allowed for a home invasion by the enemy? Have you allowed the enemy to invade your home this morning? If you let down your guard like the way Hezekiah let down his guard in 2 Kings 20 verses 12 to 21. You can read that there. If you let down your guard, the enemy, and that's what they did. They heard he was sick and they appeared to be so sincere and so sweet. Isn't that what the enemy does? So sweet. While you are down, so while you are down, the enemy appears to be so sincere and so sweet. But the enemy's objective is to take over what you have. Don't give the enemy that opportunity. Have you given the enemy access to things that are personal and precious to you and even profound to you this morning? Things that you have been taught have you given it to the enemy? That, was, that is sound and that is biblical. Things that you have been taught now suddenly, or, or you don't see it as that. I want to repeat this. Things that you have been taught all your life and stood for as wrong before, <laughs> you now think it's not a big deal and not that bad. Isn't it true? It's not that bad. But it's a big deal. If it was... You've been taught that it was biblical and now suddenly, no, it's not that bad. If you are his child, then God expects you to guard your household. 
to guard your heart, to guard your head, your mind. Said to guard that. Guard it. If you don't, the enemy will get through. But after Isaiah tells him, just think, think about this. After Isaiah tells him what he is losing, Ezekiah, listen to what Ezekiah says. And that's the interpretation here of the last few verses of chapter 20, or just before 21, between 12 and 21. I know I am losing a lot, but at least I am dying in peace with my enemies and with the trust of my enemies. My goodness! Hezekiah, how could you have done that? I know, I would rather die in peace with them. No, you can't die in peace with something that is not of the Lord, that is not right. Isn't it true? The problems that I've, I've, I've learned one thing in life, that the problems that are the toughest to overcome are the problems that never seem to get solved. I don't know about you. Hey, no, the more you try to solve it, it just comes back again and again and again. Isn't it true? They just come back again and again. We have to become men and women of resilience and endurance. If I cannot stand strong during adversity and pressure, I will lose the joy of my journey and not be a very valuable warrior in God's kingdom. The Christian life is so daily. I don't know about you, but to me, if I think of a Christian, it is so daily. It requires sustained determination. It's a daily thing, sustained determination. And that is why God wants to infuse in you and in me this can-do attitude, if you could put it in those words of endurance and perseverance. I can do all things. Philippians 4.13, through Christ, who strengthens me. We cannot give up in the midst of stress and pressure. Embrace your adversity. Did you hear that? Embrace it. Now, how can I embrace my adversity? How do I do that? By thriving in the midst of it. How? Huh? Booming in the midst of it. Blooming in the midst of it. Blossoming in the midst of it. That's what it's all about, eh? No matter what is happening, I'm still blooming. I'm still developing. I'm still growing. I'm still, I'm still focused on remaining faithful to the Lord. Embrace the mindset of a champion like David. Can you remember David? David decided to trust God with all his heart, regardless of what his head or his mind or his head was saying. Can you remember with, with, with Goliath in uh, 1 Samuel 17? Probably, I don't know where, verses 45, somewhere there. Maybe, you know. He says, you come to me. I'm not too sure where it is, but uh, in chapter 17, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, um, you come to me with swords and spears and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God 
Almighty. He didn't allow the, the, the Philistine to get into his head. You remember? He didn't allow that to get into his head. And he, um, even here in Psalm 11, one, people were saying to him, flee! And David said, how can I flee? I'm taking refuge in God. And I'm using, I'm just uh, paraphrasing the. Sometimes our greatest struggles come from friends and family members and enemies that, that we allow to get into our head. Into our head. Did you hear that? What they say has a way of getting into our heads. What they do has a way of getting into our heads. Isn't it true? David silenced his mind by rehearsing his confidence in God alone who has supreme dominion over life. In God alone who has a watchful eye over him. I'm asking you, and in conclusion here, and I hope I'm not off the point here, are you planting seeds of faithfulness, of endurance in others? Are you planting those seeds? Someone once said, convince me that you have a seed there, and I am prepared to expect wonders. Convince me that you have a seed there, and I am, a, I am prepared to expect wonders. God has done amazing things with the seeds we have sown in the past. Isn't it true? We are still sowing today. And God can do wonderful and miraculous things with the seeds we sow now. Let's begin to see, sow, sow seeds of blessing in the lives of others. Seeds of victory wherever we go. Seeds of triumph. As you thrive in adversity, as you bloom and blossom in adversity, God will work to redeem even the roughest of soils or the roughest of situations in your life. Instead of avoiding adversity, embrace it as an opportunity to grow and develop in your faith. Persevere with purpose, brothers and sisters. Lean on the Lord. I'm asking you this morning, are you just surviving? Or are you thriving? Are you just surviving? Or are you thriving? In other words, are you blossoming? Are you growing? The Lord reminds us here this morning that He's beyond any known measure. Ask. With expectancy, ask big, ask specifically. He reminds us here this morning, seek with intensity. Don't give up, pursue him with all your heart. And he also reminds us here this morning, not only to seek with intensity, but to knock with what? Huh? Tenacity. Be tenacious in the way you knock before him, the way you trust him, the way you hold on to him and serve him. The Lord bless you all this morning.